Welcome to another episode of Said Your Nan, a podcast tackling the stigma of men's mental health. Proudly presented by On The Men Charity. My name is James. And my name is Stuart. We're just two guys that got together to raise awareness on men's mental health. During these episodes, we will talk about important issues facing men and their mental health. We are by no means professional and the opinions in this podcast are our own, but please feel free to join in the conversation. Each episode will see us discuss different topics to help everyone better understand the ways that men deal or don't with their mental health. Overall, our aim is to get people talking. Welcome to a special episode of Said Your Nan. With World Mental Health Day just around the corner, we thought it would be a good opportunity to do a special. I am here, as ever, joined by my trusted companion, James. How are you doing, James? Good evening. I am very well. Excellent. Very well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Quite excited about a little special. Yes, yes, we all have a little special one. <laughs> That's what most people refer to me as the little <laughs> special one. <laughs> in a a loving context though right absolutely yeah i'll get it always yeah people obviously you know slag off my height in a very loving and caring way (laughs) but yeah anyway that's a whole episode to itself isn't it my height it it really is it really is but it'll only be a short one (laughs) very good (laughs) (laughs) hang on hang on say it again it would only be a short one. Very good. Oh, do you know what? I, for hours of messages and hours of recordings and hours of material, and that's the first time I managed to use the drum beat. Brilliant. <laughs> it's probably the last time as well. So we're, we're sandwiched in between season two and season three at the moment, and uh, I think it's let's have, a, let's have a bit of a catch-up. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? So what have you been up to? Um... <clears throat> God, yeah, that's uh, that's a question. Um, but just life, I guess. Really, I had a couple of days off, so I took some time off work, about a week in total over a space of two weeks, with the intention of clearing the office so that I could fit in it and actually do some work. Um, five days off, got through about seven boxes, probably still about seventy left. Then decided to spend the rest of the time dossing around, having fun. So uh, that's the that's pretty much where that went. Um, other than that, uh, life as normal. What about you? Uh, it's been very much business as usual. I think um, I'm trying to think of anything significant that's happened. I've been I've been trying to work on myself, and you know I, I've been spending a lot of time walking and listening to old episodes of the podcast. Interestingly, you know, critiquing what we've been doing and thinking about how we can improve things going forward. Um, which has been quite interesting. You know, you listen to some of those very early episodes and how ropey it sounds. Uh, you know, you and I sitting around your your dining room table and recording it to where we are now. Um, and I think also just reflecting on some of the messages we've given and and actually how much out of that I've actually personally, you know, taken on board or achieved and, and you know, where, where my life is compared to where it was back end of last year to where we are now. And we did have quite a good catch up, didn't we, a few weeks back when we were discussing kind of the direction of the charity for On The Mend, which was quite good because we had some 
some exciting conversations around that. And then we discussed a little bit more about season three of Sejanan, which yep. was good. Um, so it's all positive stuff. And it's, I mean, we'd, you know, we're taking a bit of a break now, but it gives us the opportunity to really put together, you know, some, I think some worthwhile stuff for the, uh, you know for the next ten episodes or so. Totally agree. Totally agree. And let's not forget, we also had a cracking evening out in Norwich. <laughs> we did. We did with our good friend, Queen so, on the Scene. We did. Steve. Yep. Yeah. He uh, he hosts a uh, a Cards Against Humanity night uh, with his friend Izzy, and uh, we went and attended, and we won. Uh, the competition for best team name. We will not repeat the team name on this podcast, so please don't ask us to because it will ultimately get us cancelled. But I did get um, worried there. I thought you were just going to go out and go, oh, well, team name was. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. please don't. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not <laughs> at all. don't do that. Not at all. No, uh, <clears> no but it was a good night. Time. It was a really good night, wasn't it? Really, really good. Definitely. Definitely. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get to do that again soon. So... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess without further ado, let's let's dive into today's um today's topic topic, shall we? So yeah, we're we are depending on when this gets released, we're either just before or just after World Mental Health Day, which is uh fast approaching or fast behind us again, whichever way you look at it. Um and I think let's let's the the opportunity for today is just revisiting some of those key stats that we called out way back in episode one. We'll have a quick look and see if any of the uh, the stats have been updated, you know, because back then we were looking at a, a post-COVID world where things hadn't really changed since 2019 in terms of the, the papers that had been published. So we'll just have a little, little bit of an update and just, uh, yeah, have a bit of a chat, I think. Sounds good. Sounds very good. I think it's it's worthwhile, isn't it? I think we talk about a lot of stuff in these episodes, but we kind of always think it's good for a reality check to go back to the actual stats and the real things that are happening in the world and the, the actual, you know, tangible stuff that you can sit and read and go, this is what's really happening out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't, you know, because I, I think, I don't think it's getting any better would be my observation. And I think if, if anything, and sorry to be a, a a Debbie Downer and apologies if your name's Debbie sorry to be on a downer um, but the help that's available out there away from the charities I might add is is getting worse you know and I think I think that at the moment our our uh, National Health Service is on its knees and I think you know everybody that works for the National Health Service does their absolute utmost to keep providing support, but there just isn't enough people uh, within the service to, to, you know, provide that those key mental health services that we need. And a lot of uh, a lot of the NHS is now relying on charities to bridge that gap. Yeah, and they and they must be finding it hard because of that extra pressure that's coming onto them as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Oh dear. So, um, I think the first thing that I'd, I'd probably like to call out, there was a brilliant paper uh, published by Mind, right? And it was, uh, it's called Get It Off Your Chest, Men's Mental Health 10 Years On. And I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. So what they did was they, they took the original study they did in 2009 and they updated it 10 years down the line. So this is, again, it's, it's kind of 2019. It was released in 2020. 
and it talks about the key findings and how things have changed. So um, when you look at some of the core stats in there, so they're now calling out 43% of men um, admit to regularly feeling worried or low, and that's an increase from 37% 10 years ago. Wow. Um, 37% of men say that social media has negatively impacted on how they feel. Um, I don't know, we've, we've spoken on previous episodes about social media and it can have positive and negative impacts. Mm. Um, the number of men who have suicidal thoughts when feeling worried or low has doubled since 2009. Wow. I mean, it was it was quite a high number anyway, wasn't it? I mean, like yeah. it was, there was the high percentage generally overall was quite high, but to double it's just... Yeah, so it was, it was originally 5% of men would have suicidal thoughts when feeling worried or low. That's now 10%. Yeah, it's a lot of people. It is. Um, so interestingly, one in 10 men reported getting angry when they're worried, and that's a drop of 5% since 2009. So that's actually gone the other way. Hmm. I wonder if it's around... I mean, it's just... A- an amount of people surveyed, isn't it? So I, I suppose the, mm. the numbers are always going to be a little bit flexible, but with a number of 5%, that's quite high. So it does show a big shift in either direction for both of those stats. Yeah. Yeah. So the survey was, was a, a, a sample of 2000 men. Mm. So the good news is so one that one that stood out to me was men are almost three times more likely to see a therapist uh, when worried or low than in 2009 so that's that's improved which is good that means that you know that the men are going in the right direction in terms of going and seeking that help rather than just you know the put up and shut up approach and that and that's interesting isn't it because um traditional gender roles uh I would say play a role in why men historically probably didn't seek advice by therapists or counselling because it was that macho element of, you know, historically men should be strong and just get on with stuff effectively and not not talk about their problems. You know, essentially expected to be breadwinners, you know, dominant in control that sort of stuff those kind of things where you go that's what men do so they generally tend to find it harder to reach out or open up but it has been normalized more i think over the last five years isn't it but the message is taken a bit longer to get out for people to to feel like they they can go and do you talk more or speak to more people but interesting i suppose really as well is is it because men are more comfortable talking to people that aren't in their family or their close circle of friends is that is that the the, the tree? You know, is that the first step in being able to talk before you talk to your family, friends, partner, and so on and so forth? Is men have started to open up to therapists instead before that step into talking to people closer to them? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's easier to to open up to somebody you don't necessarily know because there's no prejudgment there, is there? Um, and no no real risk of any like further ramifications. I think men still think like if you're if you're in a marriage or a relationship and you know you you think that opening up to your respective partner is going to put strain on that relationship because 
you you don't want to talk about it because you're worried about what that person might think about you or that person might leave you or they might not want to deal with it. Mm. That's got to be a lot harder than just going to somebody that's got absolutely no connection whatsoever to you or your family and then just, you know, spilling out verbal diarrhea about your problems, which yeah. you can do a lot easier to somebody you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's interesting. So significant, it's in, uh, an, an, I nearly said insignificant, but it's not. So it's a much lower volume. So there'd been a 1% drop since 2009 in how likely men are to talk to their partner when they're worried or low hmm. as they are now. Um, but they are more likely to take positive steps, such as looking up information online, seeing their doctor, talking to an extended family member, talking to friends, therapists, or buying self-help books. So interestingly, um, buying a self-help book was up 4%. <laughs> hmm. It's one of those, I'll deal with it myself kind of moments. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go sort that out. I'll see if somebody that's done it before can help me. It's easier if it's in a book. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I kind of refer back to the, you know, the original um, Priory study that we looked at when we started this podcast. So, um, you know, and theirs was a, theirs was a, a study of a thousand men in the UK Um and it shows that over a third of men, 35%, based on that 1,000-man sample, think they've got a diagnosable mental health condition at, or had one at some point in their life. It's quite a high number. It's quite significant. So that's, you know, yeah. effectively 350 men out of that sample size. Um, 77% of the 1,000 the men... Uh, said they'd suffered with common mental health symptoms like anxiety, stress, or depression. Um, 40% of them, so that's 400 of them, had never spoken to anybody about their mental health. Oh, it's just common though, isn't it? That? Yeah. And then 29% of those who hadn't spoken to anybody said they were too embarrassed to speak about it. And Which you think is the... Yeah. And 20% said that there's a negative stigma on the issue. Although that number, 20%, I mean, personally, I know it's 2,000 people, 20% is a reasonable amount still, but I still think that number must be decreasing slightly because that the stigma's there and we know it is. And I think when we very first started this, you know, we talked about, you know, challenging the stigma. That was the point, wasn't it? That yeah. was the whole point is challenging the stigma. But going back to the social media comment, I think if you look in the right places for social media, those people that actually take mental health and mental health... Um, symptoms very seriously you see more men now posting and talking about mental health struggles um, be them positive or negative I mean some of them you see people giving you some support and some help and talking about the good side of what they've done and how they've got things better and there's a lot of people then talking about you know maybe how tired they feel or how unloved they feel or how bad or low they feel but don't want to talk about it and find social media as that outlet to do mm. just that so 20%, still a high number, but um, you'd, you'd like to think that stigma is less now because people do tend to talk about it more, which is obviously good. They, they do. Uh, I think um, the, the challenge with, um, particularly with social media, I know we've spoke previously about, you know, there is a, there is a real positive side to social media if you can find it. <laughs> if you can find it, yeah, that sounds yep. terrible. But I, I think the, the big challenge is there is a lot of people on social media that 
this sounds wrong, but but get off on trolling. So hundred percent. Yep. You know, there's there's been cases that have been reported in the press. I know where you know people have been driven to suicide and things like that based on the comments that people have have bullied them effectively on social media, and it's it's terrible to see because I guarantee if I go online tonight and I posted a video of me talking about my struggles with mental health and how I was feeling, I'd guarantee I'd get people commenting that you know I should just man up and shut up and you know that's so. I think it's great that people are going out there and talking about it and, and having those conversations, but you almost need to find a a way of um, filtering yourself from those kind of comments. And I don't mean filtering the comments because you can't do bugger all about them, but almost building that, that wall around yourself that says, I'm not going to listen to any of this chuff. It's the resilience. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You said it in one word, resilience. Yeah. 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 And it's hard, right? That's really tough because if you're of a weakened state, if you're feeling the pressures of mental health um, and you're, 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 your mind is taking quite a bit of a battering, sometimes it won't take a great deal for something that someone says to affect you a lot more than you probably expect it would, especially if you've been thinking things like that anyway. So if you've already had thoughts in your head about something and somebody fires that off in a comment, it, your self-doubt comes in and you know it's a problem. So building up that resilience is tough. But but it is if you're going to put yourself in front of social media, it's like you say, recommendation. Do your best because you know, if you want to use it, use it for good. These muppets, cockwombles, fruit loops, whatever you want to call them out there, just they won't go away. No, no, they really won't. The kind of person you must be, though, right? To find that amusing. Mm, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Again, that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. Um, so interesting. Here's a few updated stats for you. As you know, I love me, me stats, right? So you do. Um, a cohort of men. So again, it was a it was a thousand men, right? Um, were asked why they don't talk about their mental health, right? So forty percent, four hundred of them said they just learned to deal with it. Thirty six percent, so three hundred and sixty. I don't wish to be a burden on anyone. Uh, 29%, I'm too embarrassed. 20%, the negative stigma around this type of thing. Um, 17%, I don't want to admit I need support. 16%, I don't want to appear weak. And 14%, I don't have anyone to talk to. Well, I, I still find, even though it's the lowest number, the 14%, I still think that's quite high. I don't have anyone mm. to do. You forget that there are people out there that it's not just the people that can't, haven't got that ability to talk to someone because they're upset, frightened, embarrassed, all that sort of stuff. There are people in their life they can chat to. Yeah. But there are actually people out there that just don't have anything. No. Yeah, there is no anybody. support mechanism for them. And other than the charities, and again, there's only so much they can do a lot of the time, but they don't have anybody they can just turn to. And that that is very sad. Mm, I agree. I totally agree. It's a it's a sad state of affairs. Um. So the same kind of cohort were then asked, um, what would make it easier to seek help if you were feeling low or worried for a while, um, and they they chose the following. So twenty two percent said support and information available online, and I guess that's. That's the world we live in now, isn't it? Everybody just jumps online and looks up. Google's your best friend, you know, WebMD. Mm-hmm. 
um, <laughs> an assurance of uh, anonymity. Anonymity? Anonymity. Can't say that word. Anonymity? That's the one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. And everyone can have a laugh at my expense on that one. Um, so that was 15% said that. 12% uh, help available at more convenient times of the day. Uh, 11% availability of help places other than GP surgeries. 6% help available over the phone. And 5% support available at work or at job centres. Mm. And that's a that's a big one for me. I mean, I know that's only, uh, only 5% of the 1,000 men, but one of the big things that I advocate for, as you know, is, you know, mental health first aider in the workplace. Yeah, and because most people are spending, you know, seven and a half hours a day, five days a week working. And yeah. ultimately, a lot of that stress and mental health woe is probably caused by work as well for many people. So where best to get support from it is by educating people within the workplace how to manage it properly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've said that from we've said that from day one though, right? We said it look, we go back to prior to the podcast when we were doing this um supporting this at work. I know you still do, but <clears throat> It was one of the very first things that was mentioned is how do we get people understanding this? How do we get people the training that they need? You know, management, people that look after people, you've got to understand it. Otherwise, how do you identify those, those, those symptoms or those things that are starting to crack? And you sort of say, well, if you don't know what you're looking for, what's the next step for you? So yes, it is like you say, it's a smaller number, but it's a very important process. Tell me that was your stomach that just rumbled. Quite possibly. I'm very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredibly loud. Um, it? Oh, God. Maybe it's my chair. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Okay. Brilliant. But then again, right, listening to podcast episodes, I divert slightly, right? The two things you can hear from me is me sniffling a lot and secondly, my chair creaking. Or dropping your guts. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's a lot less than the chair creaking. You, you tend to do it before we start recording, which is good. But that, yes. Because I noticed that the, the levels on the microphone start to go up quite, <laughs> quite <Yeah>. high. <laughs> it's either that when my dog comes into my office and drops his guts and exactly, buggers yeah. off. Yeah. 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 So I am, so go, sorry, go back to the point, right? I, I think it's one of my things I'm, you know, I'm looking at goal setting for next year. I know it's a bit early, but I would love to start lobbying MPs to be pushing for mandatory mental health yeah. first aider training in workplaces. Yeah, there should be a a, a percentage of people. Be like remember we used to work in I uh, like in engineering and IT. Yeah, to get a specific accreditation, you had to have X percentage of the workforce or X percentage of the engineering team had to have a specific accreditation for them to be able to do certain things. It should be the same. A percentage of your workforce. Agree. Uh, well, I, 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 I mean, my blunt view on it is typical, typical James. You know, very, being very every blunt. manager should have it. Well, yeah. everyone that's got line management responsibility yeah. should have that that kit tool in their tool bag. Yeah, and that's that's a that's an ideal, isn't it? That's an ideal world. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the ideal world. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. You know, I'm that motivated. Thing. I'm I'm looking at whether we can write a course as on the mend. And we can go out and start delivering this as, as you know, as a charity free to organisations. And uh, it's doable, isn't it? That's the thing. And I mean, yeah. it, doesn't, it, it doesn't. So for me, right. So look, 
you've got people that deliver these training courses professionally and get you get a qualification from it but actually the way that i look at it is if you're offering a free course to somebody where you can talk about the benefits and the basics around mental health which we know right we can do has been training you know we know what we're talking about it's you know we know what to to say not to say and what to look for and what not to look for even if you delivered a training course that wasn't to a certification standard surely delivering a delivering a training course that will wisen up people and give people that um ability to to tackle mental health is better than nothing totally agree yeah oh yeah i'm not i'm not looking at a certification per se but certainly a, a mental health awareness course it's all good yeah oh absolutely well, that, there you go an awareness yeah it's all good yep. yeah it's all good yeah definitely i think um I think that's really important. It's something I want to I want to personally achieve next year. You know, I also think um, personally, I don't think we we broach this subject subject early enough in lives as well. So, I think there needs to be some form of awareness at school age. Now, whether that's secondary education or down into primary education, I think there needs to be some awareness. Well, I said this to you, I think, because this is kind of my passion, this side of it, is is the cha- the transformation from primary to secondary school is probably one of the most difficult things that any child can do. And it's outrageous. Watching, yeah. 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 What, what, watching what my daughter went through when she was moving into that from one to the other and how, how it affected her. And she wasn't really well versed on mental health. Um, I've always said that I think getting into schools at a kind of a, is it year six, isn't it? Primary, last school. Mm. Six, yeah. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, so last year, yeah. So yeah. effectively, you go yeah. from the top of the food chain to the bottom. To of the, the food very chain. bottom, yep. absolutely, yeah. And you've got a lot harsher children above you than you did in primary school. Mm. Yep. You know, you've got people, you've got teenagers going into young adults at that point. So you're, you're then starting, like you say, at the very bottom. So you know, primary school, year six start talking about it and it doesn't have to be harsh right <laughs> you know we're not no, no, no. we're not saying go in there but it has to be realistic and to help people understand it but what i do find as well which is quite good is some schools or quite a few schools now will have in like internal mechanisms for dealing with this i know my daughter's school does they've got an entire mental health um initiative that they've set up which is great but a lot of schools don't have it either but also again you're getting that when you're there <laughs> you know you want it you want to be at least prepared beforehand so I agree. I agree. It's a huge, hugely important thing for children. And it could set up for life. I think you're right. And I, I think, um, you know, re- referring back to the, the challenges I've had a few years ago and, you know, the episode that we did around that, one of the key things for me was uh, one of my sons needing help. And the school were really open and honest. And they said, we don't get anything from the government for supporting uh, children that need um, counselling. We have to fund that ourselves out of our budget, and we're really struggling. Which is daft on so many levels when you consider the focus on mental health and the and the acknowledgement that mental health is a real issue and the long term impact. You know, let's not forget. You know, something traumatic happens in in a an adolescent life. They don't get the help they need. That then ends up into a you know long term spiral, 
into something far more severe because it wasn't addressed at an early age. And then the cost of that on the National Health Service to then support that individual, whereas it could have been addressed at a younger age with some basic, you know, uh, CBT and um, not put to bed, but, you know, that person could have been given the right coping tools and mechanisms to deal with it and, and got on with their life successfully. Yeah. And again, you go down the point, like, well, how effective is it? You go, well, if you helped 50% of all the children in the world because you did that, you've helped 50% more than we're already doing it. So yeah, there's a, there's essentially a benefit. And I don't like, I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's the onward cost as well. Mm, you're, argue, you're arguing against the budgets in school and you're going, well, we don't want to spend this money. It's like, well, but the government don't want to fund it now. <laughs> Good luck in the future because yeah. <laughs> it's going to be incredibly more expensive than it would be to do it in a school level, right? Because funding on the NHS and the cost of NHS medic, you know, care is a lot more expensive than sending somebody into a school to talk about mental health. Totally. Probably agree. for just one person. Totally. You know, agree. 30 yeah. school kids all go into to some sort of, you know, um, assembly. Mental health. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, well, they would say they go, they've got, all got mental health problems in future years. 30 kids um that for the cost of one of them one person going in like you say into an assembly yeah it's ridiculous yeah yeah but there's no well, logic mate it's the government right i was just having flashbacks to the league of gentlemen then <clears throat> beg your pardon <laughs> the, the league of gentlemen the tv series right so there was no, a no, what was the, there was a the skit they did in that so they were a theater group that uh used to go into schools and do little skits you know talking about bullying or first sexual encounters and things like that and what was really funny was the name of the theater group was legs akimbo <laughs> and it's just like one of those when you talk about going in and doing school assemblies it just makes me think of that the only thing i remember from uh league of gentlemen was the hello dave papa lazarou oh yeah what about some pegs dave <laughs> Uh, we digress. Classic. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Right, so I want to go back to social media for a minute because uh, there's, there's a study that, and, and I thought this was really interesting, right? So they, there was a focus group actually held in Sheffield, so not far from you. Um, yeah. And one of the comments from it I thought was really interesting. What we've created is a world where uh, what is false now becomes real because if you can get as many likes on social media, all of a sudden becomes a statement of fact. And that's true, isn't it? Mm. Because because you oh, it was on social media, so now it's a real thing. Yep. Ta-da. Yep. And then there's an interesting little uh, bar chart, I suppose. You know, I, I, we can probably stick it on social media and share it. Um, and it's, you know, social media has a negative impact on how I feel. So, and it's broken down by age demographics. So 18 to 24... 44% of the people surveyed said it was having a negative negative impact. Big number. Yep. Nearly half. Aged 25 to 34, it was 48%. Aged 35 to 44, that's my bracket, 45%. And aged 45 to 54, 38%. The old people. That's it. Hmm. Speaking hmm. of that, Talk to me about hush puppies. <laughs> oh, 
Of course you would bring that up. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Nice. I'm sorry. I'm sure they are. They're nice. They're I'm sure really they are. Like, look, when you get to my age, mate, a comfy shoe, that's, that's heaven, that is. So that for is... any of our five listeners out there, could you just let us know, right, by one of our forms, <sighs> at what age do you start buying hush puppy shoes? Well, they're really nice. I'm going to yes. take a picture and post them. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. It's a real nice pair of shoes. You know, comfy sole, James. That's what yeah, I mean. comfy yeah, sole. Yeah, it is. Would they be no good for my wankles? Hmm? Your, your wankles and your weirs. <laughs> oh, dear. Bless you. <laughs> anyway, leave my shoes out of it. They're very nice. They're a present to me from my other half. I'm sure. Very nice shoes. They're lovely, sure. lovely, lovely colour and a nice pair. And you'll see them tomorrow. So, you know, you can take the piss then in person, can't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I won't do it in front of the whole team, though. I wouldn't wouldn't go that far. Yeah, you would. I probably will, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely would. <laughs> that is exactly what you would do. But you wouldn't expect anything less, right? Exactly, yeah. I would have to get myself prepared when I'm going to a room with you and something I know is going to come out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if we've anyway. spoken about this previously, but we, we tend to come as a comedy duo. So, you know, you'll you'll get into an environment where they're going and doing mm-hmm. a bit of an intro. You know, who are you and what do you do? So, you know, to Stuart, who are you, what do you do? Hey, I'm Stuart, do this, do that. Hi, I'm James, what do you do? And I normally go, I'm his carer. Yeah. It's accurate because you don't no? really do. Yes, know. that's right. I do yeah. care. Yeah, and like, like I always say, mate, you're my bodyguard. So yes, you just need to know what's going on, right? There yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, snap you like a <laughs> fucking twig. That's what she said. <laughs> dear, oh dear. We haven't had any sitting ends. What's going on? I just did one just a minute ago. You missed it. I did said I? To you when you get things out in front of the team. Oh yeah, yeah. Fair enough. There you go. Fair enough. Well, that's One not a sitting end. That's a matter of fact, isn't it? I'm, um, you know. What? What was that, James? <laughs> <laughs> that was just my ankle giving way. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, bless you. Do you know? Considering I'm the old one, you're the one falling apart. This is very true. This is very true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I guess in in summary. You know, some of the stats have improved. However, I think the support that's out there is probably getting worse at the moment. And like I said earlier, I don't mean from a charity point of view. I think there's lots of charities popping up that are helping with this. Um, I think, you know, without getting political on it, I think the government need to stand up and address the core issue. Get the funding available to provide the early intervention, to provide the long-term support, but also the tools for people that um, are supporting people to do what they need to do. Mm. And I wonder if the the reason the care is getting worse is more about what you were talking about earlier on, especially with the NHS, is the stretch. It's, like people, it's, not, it's not because people don't know how to give mental health care or people don't want to it's because so many people are suffering a lot more people are wanting the support that you know nhs or gp surgeries are, are cracking a little under the pressure i think so you're right degrade, yeah. isn't it and, and certainly people i've spoken to over the last couple of months you know that the the word on the street if you like is <laughs> once you tap into the resources you get the best care ever 
but it's actually getting through that front door. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to tick a load of boxes now to be picked up by that kind of care as well, isn't it? You've got to be literally at the end of your tether, Mm. probably, to, to actually tap on those resources. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, again, speaking to people, there's been a number of people I've spoken to that have given up on the NHS and, and basically sold their soul and gone private, you know, and that's meant have, making a real life choice decision on, you know, spending savings and things like that or selling their cars just to get their diagnosis. And and I think that's that's another big call out, actually. So, you know, if you go down the route of, of you know, long waiting lists on the NHS, you decide to go private, you get your consultation, you might then get your diagnosis, you're then trapped in the private health world. So you can't just divert back to the NHS to get your prescriptions. They're all private and you pay the absolute yeah. premium for that. You know, and that can run into the spending, hundreds, into the thousands. Yeah, you're spending your life savings, aren't you? Just trying to get yourself better yeah yeah and then the other side of it is you know normally the consultant or the counselor that you get to see is the same person you would have seen down the nhs route but they just work work private two days a week and then nhs clinic three days a week or whatever their their split may be well here's a story here's a story my mum bless her she went to uh a private um healthcare um facility a while back but not because she was on private healthcare because there was no space for it to be done in the um normal hospital so they said well, we're going to move you over to this hospital you get done that's fine anyway she went in um all these nurses and doctors running around after her bringing her cups of tea making sure she got something to eat uh checking in on her every five minutes until she let them know that she wasn't private and all of a sudden the cups of tea stopped. People checking in on her so much. She wasn't offered any food or any snacks or anything. All mm. just stopped. And she said it was so obvious. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you sit there and go, the care shouldn't change. Whether you pay for it out of your pocket or whether the NHS pay for it, the care you receive from your professionals in that kind of position should never change. No, I totally agree. Just going back to his head. Well, on that note, um, as you say, in summary, there's a couple of things really we probably need to talk about. Uh, one of them is, what do we do? What can people do if they're worried about their mental health? You know, there's, there's a number of things. So this is this is the bit, isn't it? This is where people, you know, may not know what to do, may not know where to go. Yep. You know, in the simple stuff, right? You know, there, there is simple, the simple stuff, keeping active, eating well, sleeping properly, all that kind of stuff. The normal things you'd look at that if you had the opportunity to do it, and we know not everybody does, is to try and go back to those very basics about looking after you, your self-care and, and what you're like. Um, I think we've said it before, talking to the GP, obviously quite a daunting thing, but if you're worried about your mental health, it's a good first step. If you want to keep it away from your family life, you just ask those questions. Um, I know we've been talking about that support being difficult, but actually if you can get a GP appointment, they're not going to turn you away and not chat to you about it. Um, you know, and, and, and it goes back to as well is, is then there's the more serious part of it is if you really feel like you're in distress and you feel like you need immediate help, never feel 
like you can't call 999 for it because it is a it is actually a medical condition it is a problem and you know pick out the phone to speak to somebody in emergency is completely normal so for me you know that self-checking i think you said it before is doing a self-check is one of the most important things do a quick self-checking on yourself just you know are, are you eating properly are you keeping active are you sleeping well tick those things are you doing all right journal that's one of your favorites isn't it it is indeed you know so there's there's a lot of things that can be done um if we can find it i think there is a there's a mental health tips page somewhere that was put together by mentalhealth.org.uk and i think if we can find that link we'll put it into the show notes that's ideal um yeah and then obviously the flip side of it as well is that's if you're worried about your mental health but obviously if you're worried about somebody else that's the next kind of thing to look out for you know and the word we've used from day one is judgment you know, let them know you're there. Listen to them. No judgment. You know, just just listen. Um, some people don't need solutionizing. Solutionizing? That yeah, that's a word. I'll give you that. Yeah. 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 They don't need that. Sometimes people just need to, to have someone listen. <clears throat> and they might find it hard to reach out, you know, so keep in touch. That's that's quite important. You know, even just, just, just quick text message, quick phone call. Just see if someone's all right. Uh, remind me, James, is it ask twice, ask twice. and then ask again? Yeah, ask yeah. twice, yeah. And then if need be, ask again. Yeah, so, are you okay? Yeah, are you really okay? Are you sure? Yeah, it's that yeah. kind of... It doesn't hurt, does it? Um, you know, you can you can point them in the um, direction of local support services, support groups, if there's anything you know about. It's not, not a lot of people want to go down that route, but there could be some charity or private community things that you can suggest to them. Um, but quite importantly, sometimes if you can, if you really think someone's suffering and... and and you know that it's a cry for help. Help them to get help. You know, yeah. it's that reassurance and talking to reassure them it's okay and there's support out there. And, you know, you could even help them contact GPs or set up an appointment or find a counsellor. It's not, you know, you, there's no reason why you can't do it. Even if they you, reject it, you know, that support and help is going to be recommended. You can you can actually ring 111 on behalf of someone else and there's actually an option on there for mental health crisis. And yeah. uh, the other option is if you if you're that worried about somebody, you take them to emergency services and you stay with them until the member of the mental health team sees them. And, um, and also, I think if if you do find yourself getting, um, I say I don't want to say pulled into, but if you find yourself involved in somebody else's mental health crisis or issues or problems, really don't forget to look after yourself at the same time. Because yeah, it's it a good call be out. Quite yeah. a hit. It could be quite a hit on you. Um, and you might support somebody, but it will affect you as well. And and a lot of people don't realise how much that effect is there until they've gone through something like, oh, I'll be fine, I'll just help them. It's like, no, actually, sometimes situations can be particularly serious and they will have an effect on you. Um, I, I, as normal, again, I think, James, you know, we've got potential uh, websites that we can pop in the show notes, maybe for Calm. Yeah, Samaritans, yeah. They're probably two quite good ones, aren't they? Calm's I mean, Samaritans. Absolutely, because yeah. they're they're twenty four seven three six five. No judgment. You can pick the phone up to them and talk to them at any time. Yeah, yeah. I know that we tend to we tend to really do push Samaritans. It's probably us that's pushing their bloody workload up. Um, yeah, but but they are a fantastic organisation. Have been for many a decade. So definitely the, the other one to call out and often gets forgotten. A lot of companies now subscribe to some form of employee assistance program maybe called eap in your organization 
Uh, yeah. So it's worth looking at your benefits and see if you get anything like that. Because again, they can help with all sorts of issues, not just mental health related. It can be finance. It can be anything. Uh, so absolutely worth looking to see if you have access to that. And if you do, utilize them. You know, it's something you get as part of your benefits package. It, it's, you know, effectively what you're paying for. You might as well make use of it. Um, and I'm aware of organizations that have got it. And they generally use third parties for these. But they can do things like arrange counseling sessions and things like that. So it's it's definitely worth looking at. Mm, absolutely. And um, one bit, other bit of advice, and James will advocate it for advocate it all the time, um, and that's walk and talk. If you can, if you've got somebody that you can chat to, even if it's not about your mental health issues or problems, it's just sometimes to walk and talk about anything. Um, it's really quite useful. <clears throat> We've been doing it now for the last year, just over a year, year and a half now, maybe, isn't it? Yeah, year and a half. Yeah, yeah since March, maybe last year, um, and it's done us a world of good, I think, in points. In fact, shameless plug as well. We're walking at the weekend, aren't we, for Mental Health UK? So it's it's it twenty k or twenty kilometers. It's a night walk yeah. through London. Um, again, shamelessly, we shall put the just giving page in the uh, in the show notes and on the social media. So if anybody, I appreciate we've got cost of living crisis and stuff at the moment, but if anybody can share a couple of quid, be much appreciated. Thank you very much. Very good. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's a. Uh, enough to be doing today before we overload people with information and stats. But I thought it was, a, it was good to chat about, good to, to kind of go through those stats, you know, 10 years on, one year yeah, on for us. Definitely, definitely, but, yeah, definitely. And it was it was good to come together. <laughs> Said your nan. There we go. Right, on that bombshell, are you going to give us a joke to finish the podcast? I, d- I do actually have a joke. I do have a joke, but I, the delivery may be shit, but I'm going to try it anyway. Right? Oh, well, now you've set yourself up to fail, haven't you? <clears throat> I have. So um, out in the middle of the desert, there's a uh, a group of army men, and uh, the new commander comes to the army men barracks. And um, it's not sexist, by the way, just army men, just happens to be what it is. Just pick it out there quickly. Um, and the... Uh, the new commander comes along and he's, he's doing a check of the barracks. He's looking around and he notices one thing a little bit unordinary and just out, out, of, out of kilter. He's like, why is that camel just sat there behind that tent over there? And the guy is for the men, sir. Yeah, they get quite lonely out in the desert. And he's, oh, 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 I understand. I understand. Of course, of course, of course. I'll say no more. So anyway, the new commander goes to his uh, his tent. He sits in there for a little while and a couple of days go by. He starts to get urges. <laughs> so he calls out to the man. He says, could you bring the camel over to my uh, my tent, please? It's like, of course, sir, of course. So he takes the camel over to the tent and uh, disappears. And the, there he is left there with the camel. And he proceeds to, um, you know, have his way with the camel in the nicest possible way. And he calls his men back and says you can take the camel now i'm finished and he goes just question is that is that how we do it is that right is that okay he goes no sir that's not how the men do it usually the men come and collect the camel travel into town where all the girls are <laughs> brilliant <laughs> that's it bit of a long joke not best uh delivered but it is a good joke oh well mine's oh. mine's a short but sweet one <laughs> go on so my uh, my dear wife and I, right, we used to have a fantastic sex life. I mean, it was amazing. 
we used to do so much and experiment all the time and you know had a lot of fun out there then we met <laughs> very good very very good <laughs> let's not let's not though let's not gloss over what you just posted in our chat if you want to tell it go ahead okay just brilliant so james james has put apparently the female version of teabagging is called a flappuccino (laughs) 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 which is why i laughed just before you said the joke rather than after your joke yeah yeah, just just before and i thought you were going to come up with that one brilliant no i'm well done (laughs) yeah no no it did make me chuckle when i saw that one i must say so uh there we go. Well, yeah. Uh, so the joke brings us to the end. So we're still on a bit of a break. Yeah. Looking at sorting out season three. So it might be December time, I reckon, which is our one year anniversary as well. Yeah. Yeah. Look, so let's, we... let's, it's going to be however long it takes us to get the, the whole season recorded and ready mm. to go. Cause we want to be in a position where we've got it all ready and set so that we don't end up in the hiatus we did earlier this year. So yeah. We can we can yeah. give the consistency. So I reckon we do probably have some great topics. Yeah. We do indeed. We've already done the episode planning. We've already made a start on the content. So um, I think end of November, beginning of December, we'll start releasing them weekly again for for season three. Perfect, just perfect. Right on that note, then I think we're good to go. We are. I'm going to go and pour myself a flappuccino. <laughs> it's dinner time for me. Look at that five to nine <laughs> at night. Yum yum. So anyway, thanks everyone for joining again. Anyone for listening. We hope you have a nice few months without us. Uh, We're going to have a bit of a break and we will be back soon. So thank you very much. Yeah, and I'll see you in your hush puppies tomorrow. You certainly will. Bye. Bye. at onthemend.org.uk or at Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at SaidYourNan. If you'd like to donate to the On The Mend charity, please feel free to buy us a coffee. The link can be found in our show notes. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will speak to you soon.